Revelation chapter 21 and 22. Revelation 21, 22, and there'll be other scriptures that we'll look at as we think about heaven. I want you, now this is very, very important, I want you to reflect. Now, if you say, Brother Fred, as far as I know, I'm a Christian. As far as I know, I'm a child of God. As far as I know, Jesus Christ lives in me. If I died right now, I'd go to heaven. Now, I'm, I'm speaking to those who, you, you know that you're saved. Now, I want you to go back and in your mind, I want you to reflect and remember the time in your life when you experienced, or it may have been times in your life, when you experienced the presence of God in such an awesome way. You said, man, I'm in the presence of God. You, you, like, um, you, you just know that you're not experiencing just an emotion, but somehow God in his mercy and grace, it's visiting you. And you are experiencing the presence of the living God that created you and redeemed you. Now think about that time. Think about how unexplainable it really was and is. And how glorious it was. Now, so you take that. And I'm going to use a figure that you can relate to. You take that experience in the presence of God and you multiply it a million times. A million times. And you're not even close to what it's going to be like when we're in heaven in the presence of God. It's not even close. I'm telling you. People wonder about all the details about heaven. I'm going to tell you something. We've only had a taste of his presence and his glory here. But oh, heaven, the unhindered presence and the unbroken glory of the living God. So now, let's just look into the word of God. And see the promise of God about heaven. I want us to think, first of all, about the wonder of heaven. Just the wonder of it. Just the wonder of it. And to find that, you turn to Revelation 21 and 22. And man, you, you, you just find out that, that in chapter 21 and 22 of Revelation, you are just getting a glimpse of the wonder, the wonder of heaven. Now, here's the wonder. Here's the first thing. Now, I'm going to show you this. And, and really, if you get this, you'll just get so excited about heaven. You see, the wonder of heaven is the presence and the glory of God. To be in the presence. To be engulfed in the glory of the omnipotent God and of the Lamb. In, in Revelation 21, verses 3 and 4. It talks how personal, about how personal it is going to be in heaven when we are in the presence and engulfed by the glory of God. Verse 3, 
Now, is heaven going to be personal? Is God really, are we really going to dwell in his presence? Are we going to experience his glory? So he says in Revelation 21, 3, I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. He will dwell with them. They shall be his people. God himself. He's talking about heaven. In verse 1 and 2, he's talking about the new heaven and the earth. God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things are passed away. The wonder of heaven is the glory of the presence, to be in the awesome presence of God himself. In chapter 21, verses 9 through 11, it talks about the presence of God. It talks about the glory of being, about, about heaven, the glory being in the presence of God. And so in verse 9, and now just stay with me as I read these verses. I don't want you to let the Spirit of God re-speak to you. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven plagues came to me and talked with me saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the church, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the Spirit and showed me a great and high mountain. And he showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Now listen to this. Having the glory of God. He said, I will show you the lamb's bride. I'm going to show you the bride, the lamb's wife. And he talks about the new Jerusalem and, and having the glory of God. And, and he began to describe it. Look at verse 12. She had a great and high wall with 12 gates, 12 angels at the gates, names written on them. Now listen to this. this I read this verse for this reason. And says, and the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. You see, there's a continuity in the Bible that starts all the way back when God chose Abraham. And then there were the 12 tribes. And now here we are. And the new Jerusalem and the glory of God in filling the new Jerusalem. And he says, but I'm going to tell you something. On the gates are the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. He's talking about, man, what God started, God is completed. But then you go on down and read it. And then it says in verse 14. Now the wall of that new city, the wall of the glorious Jerusalem, the Lamb's bride. Now the wall of the city had 12 foundations. And on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. I said, you know, Lord, I, I mean, heaven is just going to be a continuation of what you started on this earth. But the glorious thing is, the wonder of heaven is, now we see through a glass darkly. Now we experience, you know, uh, 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 some of your presence and some of your glory. But in that day, it'll be the unhindered presence of God, the un unhindered glory of God. And, and, and I'm telling you, the wonder of heaven is the glory and the presence of God himself. Now, here's something that blew me away. See, we're going to, the wonder of heaven is going to be the worship and the glory that we, the worship that we have in the presence of God. How that all of heaven, there's going to be an atmosphere of, of worship. It's not that somebody says, well, we're going to sing this chorus or that chorus. No, no, I'm telling you, heaven is going to be filled 
with worship. Because the glory of God is so great that the whole atmosphere 24-7 will be that of worshiping the God who created us and the Lamb who redeemed us. And man, when I read this, I just got to thinking. Look at chapter 21, verse 22. I'm talking about the wonder of heaven. Just the, the wonder of it. And it's the presence and glory of God. But in chapter 21, verse 22, he says, I saw no temple in it. He talked about the new Jerusalem. But he said, now look, I saw no temple in it. And, and now that was significant because to, to, to Israel and to the 12 tribes of Israel, and even to us in the new covenant, we, we, we think of, of worshiping God and a place of worshiping God. But he says in verse 22, I saw no temple in it for the Lord God Almighty. And the Lamb are the temple. All of heaven is the temple of God. And in heaven, the Lamb, it says here, it says, And the the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple. And so we're just over-engulfed with the presence of God. And it's like the temple, just worship. There's an atmosphere of worship that goes beyond anything we could have ever experienced on this earth. And listen to what it says. You're talking about the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb being the temple. Look at verse 23. The city had no need for the sun or of the moon to shine in it. Boy, I love this. For the glory of God illuminated it. No need for the sun in heaven. No need for the moon. The glory of God illuminates heaven. He illuminates it. And the Lamb is the light. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you. Take any experience or every, uh, uh, that you ever felt like in the presence of God. Multiply it a million times and here you are and the there's no temple there before the lord all god god almighty and the lamb are the temple and there's no need for the sun or the moon there but i am telling you it says uh, without question it says the glory of god illuminates heaven and the lamb is the light it's called the wonder of heaven i mean the absolute wonder of heaven far beyond our finite minds could ever and how that the glory of his presence is the light that fills the place but i'll tell you another wonder of heaven not only the presence of god in his glory and not only the fact that 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 there's no temple because we're just living in his presence and and heaven has the entire atmosphere of worship that's what it is just the entire atmosphere of worship but it's a holy place heaven's a holy place and it, it, it is not incidental that in describing the wonder of heaven that John said, I'm going to tell you, it is a holy place. In chapter 21, verse 8, listen to what he says. And it's very sobering. Talking about heaven, he says in chapter 21, verse 8, But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. 
talking about heaven and its glory and God's personal presence. But he said, I'm going to tell you something. It's a holy place. And then he talked about who wasn't going to be there. But as that were not enough, he goes on. He says, no, let me tell you, it, 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 it is a holy place. Listen at verse 27 of chapter 21. Listen to what he says. Talking about heaven being a, the wonder of heaven being a holy place. There shall by no means enter it anything that defiles. Nothing that defiles would ever enter heaven. There will by no, no means enter, enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie. But only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Let's think a moment about the wonder of heaven. It is the glory of the presence of God. No need for the sun, no need for the moon. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its light. And all of heaven is a temple filled with the glory and the presence of God. And we worship Him. And it is a holy place where God's people spend eternity. You know, you say, okay, that, that's the wonder of heaven. But I, I want to talk to you a little bit about the what of heaven. That's the wonder of it. That's enough for me. But, but the Bible does answer some questions. And as I thought about this message, I said, I'm not going to read any books on heaven. I'm not going to do anything. All I'm going to do is ask certain questions and then go to the Bible and find out what the Bible says. And when the Bible speaks, I'm going to speak. When the Bible don't speak, I'm not going to speak. I'm not going to speculate. I, I mean, I've heard about life after death experiences. I'm not here to say they are correct or incorrect. All I'm saying to you is I, I just want to talk to you about the what of heaven, and I want to answer about four questions, okay? Here's the first one. And I think you would be interested in this. What kind of body will we have in heaven? Now, that, that's a good question. What kind of body will we have in heaven? All right, let me just start out by saying what the Bible says. In 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, now listen to what it says. It says, Beloved, behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know, now listen, when we see him in heaven, we will be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Somebody says, well, that means, Brother Fred, that we'll be Christ-like. Well, true, but I'm telling you, I believe we'll have the same body. I believe that is saying to us, and I'm going to support it from Scripture, that we'll have the same body that Jesus had when he was raised from the dead. He went into the, he went, died on the cross, was buried, rose the third day, and he lived in a resurrected body. And I believe the body that we will have in heaven will be the same body like the one Jesus had when he came forth from the grave. Now, why do I believe that? Turn to 1 Corinthians 15, verses 22 through 26, and we'll just see what the Bible says about the type of body that we will have in heaven. 1 Corinthians 15. All right, now, look at verse 22. This is talking about death, so it's therefore talking about heaven and the type of body we're going to have. So we read in verse 22, For as in Adam all die physically, so in Christ all can be made alive. 
We die spiritually in Adam, but in Christ we can be made spiritually alive. Each one in his own order, Christ the first fruits, and afterward those who are Christ at his coming. Then comes the end when he will have delivered up the kingdom to God the Father, Jesus, puts an end to all rule and authority and power. He must reign, Jesus, till he has put all enemies under his feet, and the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Okay, Jesus comes back. There's going to be no more death as far as eternity goes. Okay. But now what kind of body? I said I believe it's going to be the same body that Jesus had when he raised from the dead. When we see him, we will be like him. Now, look at verse 35. God answers the question. He answers it as clearly as it could be answered. But someone will say, how are the dead raised up and what body do they come? And with what body do they come? Well, that is okay. All right, what kind of body are we going to have in heaven? How are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? All right, you read on, look on down in verse uh, 42, and it tells us what kind of body we're going to have in heaven. It says, so also is the resurrection of the dead. Now, now listen to this. The body is sown in corruption. It will be raised in incorruption. So what kind of body are we going to have? It's going to be incorruptible. It's sown in corruption. It's raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. We had a mortal body subject to sin, death, and disease. It was sown in dishonor, but it is raised in glory. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. Now, don't, get, don't miss this. What kind of body are you going to have in heaven? It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body, and there is a spiritual body. So it's going to be a spiritual body. I believe it's just like the one that Jesus had when he was raised from the dead. Now, all right, look at, um, we just read uh, uh, verses 42 through 49. Now, so we're going to have a body just like, it's going to be a spiritual body, not subject to disease or death. It's just like the body Jesus had, the glorified body. That's, it's going to be a spiritual body that we're going to have in heaven. Now, all right, of course we know that there'll be no disease or sickness in heaven. You know, remember verse 4 that I said? He said, there should be no more crying, no more pain, no more death, for the former things are passed away. But let me tell you what a verse I found here that lets me know, and I knew that there would be no sickness or disease in heaven. But there's a verse in Revelation 22, verse 3. And this shows that there can't be any sickness or disease in heaven. In Revelation 22, verse 3, it says, And there shall be no more curse. For the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it. Hey, the curse is gone. The curse of sin was disease and death. But in heaven, there's no more curse. No more curse. And so therefore, the throne of God and the Lamb is there. So, a spiritual body. That's a body like we're going to have in heaven. Just like Jesus had when he was raised from the dead. Secondly, there'll be no disease or sickness in, in heaven because there's no curse there. Well, I, I, I had a question that I thought I had the answer, but I didn't. I thought about, well, we're going to have a spiritual body, no disease, 
No death, no curse there. I said, well, will, will we eat in heaven? Now, that's important. <laughs> will we eat in heaven? And I said, now, let me go back after Jesus was raised from the dead. Oh, I remember. The disciples had been out fishing. And he called to them and said, come on in. And Jesus had made a fire and put some fish and something on the fire. And he said, told them to bring some of the fish. And I said, he's fixing to eat. But it didn't say he did. He told the disciples to eat. You say, well, did Jesus eat? Well, the Bible doesn't say he did. And the Bible doesn't say he didn't. Now, I'm going to tell you where it's found. It's found in um, John 21, 9. You read it. And I thought he was going to say Jesus was having breakfast with him. So Jesus ate some fish and some bread and the disciples. But he said he you know, just asked him and said to them, he gave them food and breakfast and they ate. Didn't say he did, but it didn't say he didn't. So you make up your own mind, okay? I choose to think we're going to eat in heaven. I, th- I choose to think there'll be no calories. An abundant supply of bluebell ice cream. No, really, I don't, I don't know. But I know one thing, we'll have a spiritual body, be no disease, death. Jesus did feed the disciples, but we have no record that he ate. So I don't know. Maybe you've got a verse you can show me later, uh, and, and I'll be glad to see it. And if it says we're going to eat, I'll really be glad to see it. But anyway, here's a third question. What about our body? All right. Now, the question is, is there any real evidence? I'm talking about the what of heaven now. Is there any real evidence that we'll know our loved ones? Any real? Oh, yes. Without question, there is unmistakable evidence that we'll know our loved ones in heaven. And it's found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, if you want to turn over there, verses 13 through 17. And this is so clear that that's just not any debate about it. I mean, it's just it's clear that we will know our loved ones in heaven. In 1 Thessalonians 4... Verse 13, the Thessalonians were new Christians. They were new Christians. They had come out of paganism. They had no answers about life or death, but they'd had an encounter with Jesus Christ, and they were now saved, redeemed by his blood. And, and, but yet they had some loved ones who were saved, who were, they, they were just dying, just like everybody else. And they, they, were, they just didn't know that they, they were sorrowing. They didn't have any answers. So Paul said, now, I'm, wait a minute now, I'm going to tell you, This is what you need to know about death, he said, in heaven. Verse 13, I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, they were, concerning those who have fallen asleep. He said, you've got mothers and daddies, you've got brothers and sisters, you've got neighbors and friends that have died. But I don't want you to be ignorant about them. I don't want you to be. Concerning them that have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others, listen, who have no hope. He said, I know the pagans and the lost people, they don't have any hope. He said, but I don't want you as a believer sorrowing for your loved ones as someone who does not have any hope. And then he goes on and says, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and we do, even so will God bring with them the loved ones who've gone on before. Will God bring with him, will God bring with him those who sleep? For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain shall by no, remain until the coming of the Lord, will by no means proceed those, precede those who have fallen asleep. 
For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the shout and the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And we who are alive and remain, listen, will be caught up together with them in the air to meet the Lord. Listen. He said, I will tell you something. Don't you sorrow as those who have no hope. I'm telling you, Jesus is going to come, and the dead are going to be raised and get their new body at that moment. They're already with their spirit in heaven. Their spirit's going to come. They're going to get a new body. And we're going to be raised up with them. Why is that important? Well, it wouldn't matter if we were going to be caught up with them if we did not know who they were. Do you understand? He says, oh, don't you worry about your mom and dad. Don't you worry about your loved one. Listen. They're with the Lord, and when he comes, they're going to get that new body at the resurrection, and you're going to be caught up with them. What he was saying is, don't you go sorrow. Yes, it's hard to let go of those you love, but you're not going to sorrow as somebody who doesn't have any hope because one day you're going to be caught up with them to meet Jesus in the air. And I tell you, that's an important thing about heaven. Not only the wonder of it, the presence and worship of God, we're, not, we're going to have a spiritual body, not subject to disease or death. But I'm telling you, we, we're going to, man, we're going to know our loved ones who've gone before. And we're going to spend eternity with them around the throne of God, worshiping and glorifying God. Well, then there was another question that has been asked. What kind of body do we have in heaven? What about our loved ones in heaven? Well, and then this one. What about marriage in heaven? Are we going to be married like we were on earth? Some of you say, I hope so. Some of you say, I hope not. <laughs> well, I, it, it doesn't matter what you hope. It's what the Bible says. And so turn in, if you want to look it up, turn to Matthew uh, chapter 20, verses 30 through 32. Jesus just answers the question. They ask him. I'm glad they ask him. And I, I can't explain exactly what our relationship will be uh, with uh, the person we were married to when we were on this earth. I can't explain that. But all I know is what Jesus said. It was a very interesting uh, situation. There were seven brothers. And one brother was married to this particular lady. And he died. Then she married the second brother. And he died. I'm beginning to get worried about her. Then she married the third brother, and he died. And all seven died. That would be need for investigation if it were today. So they asked Jesus the question. All right, now, it says, therefore in the resurrection, this is verse 28 of Matthew 22. Therefore in the resurrection, whose wife of the seven Will she be? Now, she married all seven of them. They died, and she'd marry one. Well, who's going to be her husband in heaven? She had seven, for they all had her. Well, Jesus answered and said to them, You are mistaken, knowing not the Scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection, they neither marry or are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. But concerning the resurrection of the dead... Have you not read what someone has spoken to you by God saying, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God is not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. So he just says here, they're not marrying or giving in marriage. So that's the only thing I know where Jesus addressed the thing about marriage in heaven. You say, well, I got some other verses. Well, give them to me later. I ain't got time right now. But that's the only ones I know. 
So it appears to me that marriage as we know it on this earth will not be the same in heaven. All right? Then let's see if there's one other, uh, one other one. Oh, this is very important. I'm talking about the what of heaven. I'm talking about the wonder of heaven. I've talked about the what of heaven. What kind of body will we have in heaven? Will there be any disease or sickness in heaven? What about knowing our loved ones in heaven? What about marriage in heaven? But now this is a good question. What in the world are we going to do for eternity? Some of you get bored if you've got 10 minutes on your hand. I mean, what are we going to do for eternity? I mean, 10,000 years we'll just be started. 10,000 years we've just begun. It's eternity, y'all. We're going to live forever in the presence and glory of the God who created us and the Savior who redeemed us. What in the world are we going to do in heaven? Well, I'm going to show you. Revelation 22, verse 3 tells you what we're going to be doing in heaven. And you say, well, explain it. Well, God didn't explain it, so I'm not going to try to explain it. He just made a statement, okay? In Revelation 22, verse 3, it says, There shall be no curse, there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God. And the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. Huh. What how are we going to be serving God in heaven? I have no clue. But it just says his servants are going to serve him. So we'll find out when we get there. But he says we're going to be serving the Lord in heaven. Whatever it'll be, it'll be glorious. It'll be wonderful. It'll be awesome. But let me tell you what else. Not only does the Bible say what we do is, is it's a matter of serving God, but the Bible makes it absolutely clear that it's just going to be um, unbelievable unbelievable worship that we are going to worship God turn to Revelation 5 verses 10 through 14 now it just, just uh, this is well what is it going to be like in heaven brother Fred what are we going to be doing well let's go see what they're doing in heaven and see what they were doing and so we get into chapter 5 and we get into um, verse 8 uh, it says in Revelation 5 8 be sure that's right yeah now, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, and, and each having a harp and golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Now, now listen to what they're doing. They're worshiping God. They sang a new song saying, you're worthy to take the scroll, to open its seals, for you were slain. They're talking about singing, worshiping about the cross. For you were, you were slain. You redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tongue, tribe, and nation. And you made us kings and priests unto God, and we shall reign on earth. You say, well, okay, that, that's the 24 elders, all right? But read on. Man, look at verse 11. Wow, what are we going to be doing in heaven? Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. And so here it is, it's a multitude too vast to number, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. They receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and blessing and every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and all that are in the sea and all are in them I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. I can't wait to get in that service. I won't even have a clock to look at when I'm in there. 
What you're going to do in heaven, you're going to serve God in whatever way that God would bless you the most. But I tell you what, you're going to worship. We're going to worship God. It's going to be spontaneous. It's going to be an atmosphere of worship 24-7. Of course, there's no temple there for the Lord God Almighty, and the Lamb is the temple. Then there's another passage in uh, Revelation, not only that one, uh, in chapter um, 5. Look at chapter 7. gives you one more picture of what we'll do in heaven. Chapter 7, verse 9. And after these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number. I love it. There's going to be some folks in heaven. Awesome. And, I, and, and I, after things I looked, and I behold a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, people, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hand, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, and who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Verse 12, Bless, Amen, blessing, glory, wisdom, thanksgiving, honor, and power, and might, to our God forever and ever. Amen. So what are we going to be doing in that? We're going to be serving the Lord. We're going to be worshiping God. I don't know all that's involved in that, but i tell you one thing. You'll never get tired. You'll never get bored. You are going to be in heaven. Hallelujah. Well, I don't know. There's some things I'd like to do. You don't even know what you'd like to do because when you get in heaven, you're going to be overwhelmed with the glory of God. You hear all these kind of things. Well, there are going to be this in heaven, that in heaven. All I know is... I ain't going to be worried about what is there or what ain't there. That ain't good English. But I'm not going to be worried about what is there or what's not there. I'm going to tell you God is there and Jesus is there. And all the people there are redeemed by his blood. And hallelujah, it is going to be heaven. That's what it's going to be. Hey, by the way, it's going to be heaven, y'all. Now, here's the last question. Last statement. The wonder of heaven. The what of heaven. But I want to talk to you about the way to heaven. See, this is the bottom line. Are you going to be there? And I want to tell you, the Bible is unmistakably clear. The Bible doesn't say now, it didn't say that they're in heaven saying, we're worshiping the church that got us to heaven. Heavens know they're worshiping the Lamb of God. We're worshiping the good works that we did that got us to heaven. Heavens know they're worshiping the one who redeemed them by his blood. It is ridiculous to think that anybody would ever be in heaven other apart from the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ on the cross and his precious blood that was shed for us so that we could be redeemed. So you get to think about it. Just let the Bible tell you the way to heaven. The great passage we love to read about heaven is John chapter 14. Let not your heart be troubled. My loved one's dying, Lord. I'm troubled. I'm fixing to die, Lord. He said, just don't let your heart be troubled, Jesus said. If you believe in God, believe also in me. He said, in my Father's house are many rooms or many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, man, I'm going to come back and take you to be where I am. And the, way, and the way I'm going and the way I'm going, you know. Thomas said, Lord, I, I don't know the way to heaven. I don't know the way. I don't know the way. Jesus said, Thomas, let me tell you the way. He said, you want to know the way to heaven? I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. 
No one, no one comes to the Father except through the Son, Jesus Christ. Now, what part of that do we not understand? It is unmistakably clear. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. You know what Jesus said in John chapter 10? He said in verse 7 through 10, he said, I'm the door. He said, I'm the door. By me, if any man enters in, he shall go in and out and find pasture. He said, listen, I'm telling you, I am the door. Jesus gave us a sobering word in Matthew 7, 13 and 14. I'm talking about the way to heaven. Enter in at the narrow gate. For narrow is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life. But broad is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be that go in thereout. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the door. He said, I'm going to tell you something. There's the broad way. There's the broad way. It is the way of works. It's the way of religion. It's the way of churchianity. There's a broad way. It's a broad way, and it leads to destruction. But there's a narrow way that leads to life eternal, and he is the door. And that door is the cross. And the only way you're ever going to get into heaven is through the precious blood of Jesus Christ, through the cross where Jesus died for you and me. There's no other way to heaven other than through the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You say that's not politically correct, but it's biblically correct. And if anybody believes anything other than that, they'll end up in hell and not in heaven. See, I, I, all I'm doing is reading the Bible. All I'm doing is saying what the Bible said. If the Bible said this, I'd say this. Hey, by the way, you said you just don't understand, Brother Fred. You're outdated. They're, all roads lead to heaven. All roads lead to heaven. Well, can I give you a verse? Can I give you a verse? Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Neither is there salvation in any other. Well, now come on now. What about a devout Hindu or a devout Muslim or a devout this or a devout that? Well, let me just tell you what the Bible says now. And if you've got an argument, you've got an argument with God and with the Word of God, and you're going to have to settle it. And you're, I'm telling you, the way you settle it is going to determine a big thing in your life. Neither is there salvation in any other. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. No other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That's the Bible, folks. That's not my opinion. That's the Word of God. What is the way to heaven? Jesus said, I'm the way. There's no other way. He said, I'm the door. There's no other door. He said, the gate is narrow, and it's a broad gate that leads to destruction. And he said, I'm going to tell you something. Paul said after he'd healed that lame man at the temple, you need to understand about Jesus. Neither is there salvation in any other. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. I wouldn't trust the best five minutes of my life to get me into heaven, much less the worst five minutes of my life. I want to ask you a question. The Bible says the way, repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance toward God. And faith toward the Lord Jesus. God, I have sinned against you. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. My sin has separated from you. The soul that sins, it shall die. If you die in your, Jesus said, if you die in your sins, you will never get to heaven. And so, God, I confess that I am a wicked sinner. I have sinned against you. My sin separated from you. I have no hope because of my sin. But 
I thank you that Jesus Christ died on the cross in my place. He took my sin in his body on that tree. And you raised him from the dead, declaring him to be the Son of God with power. And my only hope of forgiveness and my only hope of eternal life and my only hope of heaven is to repent of my sins. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I don't want to live that way anymore. And to trust Jesus Christ and Jesus alone as my Lord and my Savior. No other way. Spirit of God convicts you of your sin. The Spirit of God shows you your sin. You cry, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. My only hope of heaven is the shed blood of Jesus Christ and the cross. Nothing in my hand I bring simply to the cross. I cling. And I'm telling you the way to heaven is through repentance of sin and personal faith in Jesus Christ that changes your life.